Welcome back to Dice Pixels. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about the OGL stuff that's going on and a bunch of other D&D related things. Uh, there was a question from one of the viewers, Temple. We're going to talk about that and whatever else comes to mind. So um, let's start with the OGL stuff. Uh, yeah, get that done and over with at least. Yeah. So Wizards released the full text of the OGL version 1.2. Link will be in the description if you're curious. Uh, you've probably already seen it, but if not, check it out. Uh, they got rid of a few things that people were grumpy about. People are grumpy about new stuff. Um, people are probably going to be more grumpy once they realize what it truly says. Um, also, we were right. <laughs> <laughs> we were right about a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, the, the bottom line is what we said before was, you know, wait. Yeah. And uh, yeah. oddly enough, that was good advice. <laughs> uh, you know, people obviously got super outraged about stuff that mostly didn't matter. Uh, so one of the major things that they've changed, as you probably already know, is the wording around the license back. People were very, very angry about the, the license back portion of it, which, of course, hasn't really changed. Um, basically, what they did was they changed it from an explicit license to saying that um, you can only seek monetary action or monetary relief by lawsuit. That means that uh, you can't get injunctive release. You can't stop them from publishing something. You can only sue them for, for monetary damages. But more importantly, in the contract, and I think a lot of people haven't really noticed this yet, is... Um, or just don't understand what it means. There, there's a clause in there that says, as part of that, that you agree that substantial similarity and access is not a valid uh, cause for the lawsuit, which means that actually suing them for taking your stuff is basically impossible. And by my reading, you'd literally need to have like leaked emails from inside wizards, like having somebody say, we're going to steal this person's stuff. Like that's the only way that I could imagine getting a lawsuit actually into a court system. Uh, so effectively nothing's changed there. It doesn't, it's not an explicit license, but frankly, they could still steal your stuff if they wanted to. Uh, I maintain that that was never their goal in the first place. They just want to be protected in case you both come up with a spell with the same name, which is completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. So uh, no big change there. I think people don't, understand what the text means. I think people will as more lawyers take a look at it. Um, and I think a select few people will still be grumpy about that. But most people probably should never care because it won't affect them. And that's my thing. Um, I've, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again, like as a player. And again, I don't have a lot of personal opinions about this because I am still a relatively fresh and new D&D &D player. Like I, I started yeah. playing uh, a couple of years back. Um, we'll talk more about that later, probably. Uh, but um, as a player, I don't care about any of this. Like, it's not going to affect the way that I play D&D. Like, I'm still going to play and enjoy D&D. &D. It's, it's a fun game. I enjoy it. I like it. There's no, as a player, there is nothing that this is going to affect me personally, period. Yeah, and, and I think more and more people are starting to come around to that. Like, there was a lot of outrage when it first came out. And I think there's there was parts of it that uh, people had every reason to be outraged about. A, a small set of people. Way more people were outraged about it than had any reason to yeah. be. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, uh, some people will still be outraged because that's what they like to do. They, they get off on being outraged about things, but most people that I've talked to and seen that aren't just jumping on the outrage, outrage bandwagon are basically of the same opinion. They're like, I don't sell content that's to do with D and D I play, I DM, I don't publish stuff, or maybe I publish like the tiniest little thing that I've made a few bucks on. Uh, this doesn't affect any of those people. It affects places like Cobalt Press, which they have every reason to be annoyed about this. But at the same time, they've made a lot of money off of a property that Wizards put out to the world. And if Wizards wants to change the terms on that, I mean... You can call it crappy and everything else, and maybe it even is, but I mean, it's still their right to do it. Yeah. So, but I think people, I think the outrage is subsiding, and I think that the actual conversation is starting, um, which is usually how these things work. People mm-hmm. people work themselves up into a tizzy for a few weeks, and then they kind of yeah. come down to, to reality a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and again, going back to what I was saying too, I've even seen like on Twitter a lot of a lot of people that are players have flat out said like I'm still going to play this game yeah. because it's a game that I love playing. It's a game that you know socially it brings people together to enjoy something that you know everybody loves doing. So despite I get I I like I can get what you said. I can get some of the outrage to it. Sure, um, a lot of the like Cobalt Press, they released their statement about it yeah. and I'm not going to repeat it because, you know, it's it's there to read. Like, you check it on Twitter. It. You can find it. Um, and I, I, like a lot of other independent um, creators are probably doing the same kind of well-spoken responses, you know, not so heated yeah, responses, yeah, but very business. Measured response. Measured, mm-hmm. Yeah, measured response. So... Uh, we expected that. Like, I mean, like we knew it was going to happen. Like this is their, their backbone. Right. So yeah, they, the, of they business, don't want to their business. Yeah. They don't want to make <laughs> enemies of wizards. No. Even, even if maybe they do want to, they, they don't actually want to, it's bad for business. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, I mean, most of what they came out with was, was pretty expected. There's a few things that actually did take me a little bit by surprise. Um, so starting off with the, the thing that everybody seems worked up about, in a in a good way that actually means absolutely nothing. The the Creative Commons license that they're doing, um, they're basically releasing the actual mechanics of the system under the Creative Commons license. Uh, which, by the way, if you've read some of the articles, no, it's not a new license that they're creating or anything else. It's it's already there. Creative Commons already created it. They're just using that license. Um, it's what's sort of called a copy left license because it essentially undoes copyright to an extent. But that's all of the stuff that everybody kind of said from day one that it wasn't copyrightable in the first place. So them releasing it under C- uh, under the CC license is kind of like, cool, but you would have lost that court case anyway. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, it is good, though. I mean, it means that nobody has to take them to court. So, so I mean, that's good. That is a win. Uh, but it also really doesn't mean very much. Uh, the rest of it is still under the OGL. And... Um, yeah, I mean, they got rid of the royalties, which seemed to calm down a lot of people, which doesn't surprise me. For some reason, a lot of people were super upset that Wizards might want some of their money if they made a lot of money off of it. And I mean, obviously, Wizards didn't care that much about it because they that was the first thing they axed. So, yeah. um, Actually, when you're talking about the um, not having the um, 
royalties. Yep. That. I'm actually looking at this again. The create. Hey, don't you shake your head at me just because I have to buffer. (laughs) 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 The creator product badge. um, It kind of feels like a replacement for that. A little bit. Because when one of the things we had discussed previously was um, the $50,000 reporting level, it kind of seems like the creator project badge is a way of saying like, hey, like as a pro- as a creator, I want this so it looks good and official. Yep. But it also gives Wizards the opportunity to be like, oh, this person is creating stuff. Let's keep it. An- kind of a side eye at them to see what's going on so yeah well the the fifty thousand dollar uh reporting i mean i maintain that what we said last uh two weeks ago when we were talking about this last Mm -hmm. was exactly correct the the fifty thousand dollar uh reporting was specifically wizard's way of essentially talent scouting yep I I don't think it was anything else than that no um the royalty was i mean Again, if you're selling a million dollars worth of product that's based on Wizards product and you're not reaching out the, to them for a license, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't think anything really changes there. No. Um, no. But whatever. Like, fine. They got rid of it. Cool. People will be happy about that. The Creative Commons is good. Uh, and I actually forget the other the hateful and harmful the, the, the hateful yeah, and harmful that's content. what i was yeah, going to we talk talking about, about yeah that, uh, yeah. yeah they and they they also released a statement regarding that uh as of four hours ago when we filmed this on twitter on twitter yeah saying um do you want to talk about it first and then go, go into this or just you can read that first. so they've said that the hateful and harmful content is hard to define and we know this is a sensitive topic we're taking it and your input seriously uh we will clarify the language around this in the next draft and encourage your specific feedback in the survey, and they provide a link. This is all on the D&D Beyond uh, Twitter handle. Yeah, so so a few things about that. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> this was their solution to the license back, uh, essentially. Why, this was one of their solutions to the license back stuff, is um, and, and the termination specifically. Uh, this allows them to terminate your license for OGL2 for realistically any reason at all. It says in the license and and people have picked up on this. This is this is one of the things in the license that people have actually picked up on. There's a few other sort of uh more legalese things that people haven't really picked up on yet. But uh, basically anything you say or do publicly or the content itself. So it's not just if you write offensive content, it's if you tweet something offensive Wizards can pull your license like that. Um, on the one hand, people aren't happy about this. Shocking. On the other hand, uh, you know, Wizards caught so much crap over the stuff that's happened over the last couple of years with people like Satine Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure most people watching this are at least aware of that entire saga. Uh, people were on Twitter yelling at them to cancel uh, these people and cancel their contracts and 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 like retroactively unpublish stuff somehow and if that's your reaction when somebody does something you don't like with Wizards product, then you bet your ass they need that clause. That 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 clause is to allow them to do what these people were asking for. Yep. So whether they clarify the language or change it or otherwise, if if that's their goal and they've made it clear that that is their goal, it's not going to change much. <laughs> it's no. still going to allow them to do that. And, and that's what people said they wanted. Yeah. So, I mean... Be careful what you wish for. 
right? <laughs> uh, they will now have that power going forward uh, yeah. once they release this. Uh, and and they've made it very clear that that is their goal with this new license. The, above and beyond anything else, they want to be able to cancel the licenses of people who do things they don't agree with. Yeah. I think that's crappy because I don't trust wizards to decide what is and isn't acceptable for the community. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what people wanted. Yep. That's literally what people asked for last year, year before. So, yeah, you get you got what you wanted. Yep. Yeah, it could be weird. I I I'm, I almost can't wait to see what some like just a, a stupid little thing like commenting on the refereeing at a hockey game or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it could be anything. Yeah. Right? Like um, it, it sounds stupid, and I know it does, but just I I mean like it would be something like minuscule, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah how how they intend on actually yeah. using and implementing it versus like you dropped an f-bomb in a tweet and ooh, that's hateful yeah. well so so that actually brings up the other small uh, thank you for reminding me of that um that brings up the other little gem that's buried in there which i wasn't surprised to see but but makes this far more insidious is there's a clause that says just because they don't exercise their rights doesn't mean they forfeit the right to do so, which means that they can let me get away with swearing and, and you know, whatever, whatever they determine as hateful or harmful or otherwise. They can let me get away with it for years mm -hmm. and still retain the right to punish you for it. So they can apply that standard differently between different creators. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's that's one of those phrases in, in there that most people aren't picking up on. Um, and, you know, I wasn't surprised to see it, but it makes that really insidious because if they they could, for instance, if there's another Pezo in the future that, that releases another Pathfinder-esque thing that uses a lot of wizard stuff, um, they, they could just say like, hey, you know what? We decided that you tweeting that um, Happy Friday was harmful. I mean, obviously that's a stupid example, but they could choose almost anything and say, you know, we you're you're harming our business. Stop it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, hell, as it's written, they could even just say you're harming our business by having a competing product shut you down. Like it's so broadly written. And then coupling that with that other phrasing that says we can apply that essentially we can apply this to whoever we want even if it's completely different between two people means that they don't have to have any consistency in how they apply those rules mm -hmm. which is uh, crappy i mean yeah. that is actually yeah. shitty it's also not surprising no. i mean contracts have licenses have that kind of stuff in it all the time yeah but when you think through the conclusions that kind of a con that kind of thing is pretty crappy mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think mostly what people were well from just from what i saw people were mostly concerned with the royalties and the control of content of their own content yeah and it sounds like they're making it more clear that they're not going to own anyone's content per se so i think people are happy with that but like all this other sneaky stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I think people who don't understand how the law works are happy with that. But yes. the, the truth is at a practical level, what they've written in this version of it is is almost no different to no. what they wrote in the last one. No. It's 
It's just that now they've said like, hey, you can sue us for this, but also we're taking away your only realistic avenue of getting legal discovery, mm -hmm. which means that you effectively can't sue us for yeah. this. So uh, it's, I mean, I guess it's better language, but honestly, there's no real change there. <laughs> there's better language that they're apparently still going to be revisiting uh, thanks in no small part to the survey that um, they want people to do. So, I mean, okay. I'm still going to play. I don't care. Well, I mean, that's that is the fundamental, most important thing is that for every person who's outraged on Twitter, there's a hundred people that just want to play the damn game. Yeah. yeah. But so many channels have told us that this is the end of YouTube or the end of D&D. &D. So many YouTube channels, our comment section from the other video. Yeah. Oh, this is the end of D&D. &D. Wizards <laughs> is going bankrupt. So, I mean, what do we know? Yeah. No. Right? No. Yeah. That was the other thing that uh, sprung up from all of that too, which I don't know if you wanted to kind of give it a little bit of a discussion here, but um, the various uh, the various company, I mean, Cobalt Press said uh, something about creating their own system. Yeah, the the fifty different new systems that we're gonna have. Yeah, like, <laughs> and we we briefly discussed that. I don't think we talked about it on camera, but we. Uh, I think mostly on Discord. Yeah, yeah. we were yeah. we were just talking about like it would run into an issue where you'd have like six people all meet up at one location to play, you know, the tabletop RPG, but yeah. each one would come from a different system yeah. and which system's oh, the better system uh, and all this nonsense. I, I think the way that I phrase it on Discord is is the most succinct and honestly most accurate way of putting it, which is just that, you know, 50 different people, companies, whatever, all coming up with their own system to compete with D&D is not going to unite the community the way that people seem to think no. it's going to like no. it is going to cause problems yep. and people are just going to continue playing D&D because it's what they know. Yeah. Exactly. Now, they've released the actual mechanics or are releasing the actual mechanics through the Creative Commons, so great that may be less of a problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, as people have pointed out, like the class names, the spells, like all of that stuff is still protected. So. I mean, wasn't it already too? Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing's changed yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Um, one thing I do like, though, as a result of um, people freaking out about the the mechanics and whatnot, is there's been a few v videos and articles that I've noticed that um, people are um, doing that are becoming more popular now of um, here, here's these different mechanics, these different systems to try. And I think that's great because um, like any... Um, um, like the the fate it's system, yeah, yeah. Like different ex people exploring different yeah. systems. I think that's fantastic. That's a yeah, yeah. So there, there's been a lot of that, especially in the sort of non OGL space. Yes. The the people who they just have nothing to do with the wizard systems yeah. at all. Uh, and I think that is great. I think that's yeah. you know exposure is great. Uh, and and we talked about it ourselves. Like when we were. We, we did a, we started a campaign. We were actually really excited to do an evil campaign and we did one session of it, yeah. but uh, we were talking about it more recently and we all kind of agreed that it's like, if we're going to play something like we've got the time and we've got the consistent group, we're going to try something else. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's Pathfinder or, or whatever, uh, I'd actually be kind of interested in checking out Pathfinder Kingmaker. I've never tried it before, mm -hmm. but um we we talked about it and like we have the ability to easily swap systems yeah because it's the three of us and maybe a couple other people we don't have to worry about whether uh the gaming group can get together on a new thing mm -hmm. uh so we're gonna take advantage of that yeah yeah uh, 
Except that in the comments, everyone called us wizards shills. So I don't think we're allowed to. I think we have to. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck it. Fuck <laughs> it. Uh, but, but that is going to be, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a real problem if people actually, if all of these companies actually try to create their own system, mm-hmm. you're going to end up with splinter groups in your D&D, your tabletop group mm. yeah and and it's not going to be a uniting no. force no, no i uh, more the creating new systems just doesn't seem to make sense to me no. currently right now as it is because there's so many systems out there already that already work fairly like pretty well like correct the the d10 system that we used the one our telsorian yeah, yeah from Artelsorian, their Cyberpunk system and, and now in fairness Richard. i don't think most of those systems are licensable yeah, but at all, at all. Yeah, but just the same. Like if if people were wanting to explore different systems, yes. or use different systems for creating their stuff, that they don't need to create a new system if it's already there. So. No, no. Yeah, and I mean, if you uh, if you're really worried about uh, about running afoul of the OGL stuff, just drop the first letter from all the class names and and rock on, right? I yep. mean, yeah. <laughs> there's lots of ways around the OGL. There always have been. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. We were I actually would like to play in Eric. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We we were talking. Uh, what was it last week? I think we were talking. We didn't talk about the OGL on the podcast because nothing was worth talking about at the time. Uh, but we were talking about it over dinner. And I said, what somebody should do, Pezo or otherwise, is they should release one of their modules um, minus all of the OGL content and then release that separately as a fuck wizards bundle and charge like 10 bucks <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, put fuck wizards in front of everything. Yeah, change everything so it's like fuck wizards fireball or whatever yeah. and like just just the whole thing all the way through. And I'm like, they would make... At least thousands of dollars. Yes. <laughs> but I think that ship has sailed now. Yeah. yeah. So um, shall we shall we talk about, yeah, some let's other talk about something else? D&D stuff. So so the question that I think we should start with is the one that uh, Temple asked in Discord, which is so the, the scenario was um, there was a wizard and a paladin and probably some other people, but they're the two that matters. Uh, and the paladin wasn't healing the wizard and the wizard was a new player that didn't really know their class and basically they were they were going to die and and he wasn't sure as a fairly new dm uh sort of how to handle that how to guide the player guide a newbie without sort of playing their character for them and he was he was curious what kind of interference was sort of acceptable which obviously, you know, whatever you want as the DM is acceptable to an extent, but uh, sort of just some some general discussion on how to handle that sort of situation. You've got a new player, they're not really playing right, uh, or at least to their full extent, and uh, and they've got maybe a, a party member that's just not helping them, uh, which I think is an interesting uh, system, uh, like setup to be in, especially for a newer DM. I'm curious to hear your Chad, your thoughts first as a as someone who has never DM'd. Uh, how do you feel about a DM stepping in and giving you direct guidance on your character? I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, uh, I'm my first <clears throat> the first time I played, um, I had a lot of guidance in creating my character. Well, creating is one thing, but mm-hmm. but creating, actually during the session, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, during. During, I kind of felt stupid because there was a few times where I would brain fart and just 
completely forget things like strength checks or whatever. So I kind of just flaked a bit. And then uh, a friend of ours, uh, Devin, you know, said kind of in character, like, well, maybe a strength check. Yeah. It's like, ah, right. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And and especially being green at the time. Yes. Like I, I read a lot. Sure. But I mean, tell me these things. You know, give me hints, pointers. And even after the sessions, even after sessions, like we, I remember even like every game I've been in, we've always talked like afterwards or in between sessions, you know, this, this, that, whatever. And we've thrown things at each other. I mean, I know you and I had a lot of talks about yeah, um, a couple of our characters that were uh, of the geriatric and uh, dragon variety. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, sort of the post-session debrief is a great spot to yeah. to cover a lot of that stuff. But but obviously in the moment, it's it can be more difficult. Um, so one of the things that I like to do, and, and I'm going to give a whole bunch of different answers to this, um, cause there's different ways to handle it. I mm-hmm. think one of the things that I really like to do with any newbies to the game is, um, send an NPC along with them. So when I was, uh, DMing for what I call the Toronto crew, there was a time where I gave them an NPC blacksmith and there was other combats where I would have an NPC sort of drop in, sometimes even as like a deus ex machina to, to end the fight because I thought it was getting out of control. Um, and I try to keep it somewhat organic, but I don't, I don't worry too much about hiding that I'm giving them assistance because as long as it doesn't, uh, as long as it's not too jarring from a story perspective, I tend to find that they're they're generally fairly like I know what's happening, and I know that I don't want them to be completely screwed after this fight because it was supposed to be the introduction fight, and like <laughs> they're gonna be less happy if I let them completely screw themselves over, and then they they can't finish the the quest or whatever because. I just didn't give them any assistance. So I'm not too concerned about just literally dropping NPCs into the world. Uh, I try to do it in a fairly innocuous way where it's um, like, I I don't literally just have them descend from the heavens. Although the one time I did have a guy like kind of drop onto an airship out of nowhere, more or less. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, like I, I don't hesitate to send an NPC along with people if they're new, because then you can talk through the NPC. Then you can literally be say like, perhaps you should fall back <laughs> <laughs> or hey, Paladin, heal. <laughs> uh, so so that's one thing that you can always do with a new person in the party. Uh, put an NPC with them and they don't even necessarily have to be a combat NPC. Uh, the one NPC that I gave my guys, uh, they basically rescued him as a blacksmith. So he wasn't particularly useful in combat, but he was there that I could sort of talk through him when necessary, which which I found very helpful when everybody was still kind of trying to learn. And I was learning the the balance of it, too. I hadn't figured out at that point how to, you know, zhuzh a battle in the middle of it to make it not kill them. Uh, I was still picking that kind of stuff up. So it was very useful to have that sort of conduit that I could talk through in the game. 
So that would be one suggestion that I have for any new DM is don't be shy to just literally send an NPC along. Mm-hmm. You as a DM are the sky voice. <laughs> well, oh, sky voice. I, I, I did that the one day when we were playing something too. I just started <laughs> talking to the DM as the sky as though he was the sky voice. <laughs> which, That's so good. I mean, why not? That was oh, fun. Awesome. That just opened up a whole new thing too. Yeah. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, one thing that I have experienced as a player too is um the dm uh just asking directly like can i make a suggestion here and that opens it up so if you're willing to to listen they might give you some ideas of of or as the dm you can give some ideas of you can explore this route or this route or do this yeah options and you can also formalize that if you think it's uh useful to the players like you can straight up in the same way that some groups uh play with sort of the like veto card where they they have an x or something that they can hold up if things are getting if things are going the wrong way narratively like Mm -hmm. if if there's something that's going to like trigger them on like a psychiatric, like a, a sort of mental health level or something yeah. like that or or whatever, like they they sort of like, hey, I'm not cool with this. Can we move on to something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do the same sort of mechanic with somebody. If they're a new player, you can just like literally give them a little card or or just tell them to like raise their hand or something and just be like, I'm lost. Can you help me? Uh, and that doesn't always help if they don't realize that they're lost. Yeah. But it's and and to your point, you mm-hmm. can also, do you know, the, yeah. I have a suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the inverse of that where the DM yeah. is holding up their card. Now, mind you, having DM'd enough with enough different people, I can say that uh, more often than not, they will not follow your suggestions. Well, you throw it out there and if they decide not to follow it, then it's their own fault. <laughs> You see the you see a lovely path that's completely clear of any sort of encounter and the quintessential like road to hell. Which would you like to take? Oh, the road to uh, hell sounds great. Clearly this clearly this uh completely fine path is a trap. Right. We're gonna get just completely destroyed. Yeah. And that's yeah. how the beast met Bill. That's right. That's right. Actually, that happened in a game we played too, wasn't it? Where we had like the straight up path and then this other path and like people failed their stealth checks. So we made a shitload of noise going the the hard way yep. <laughs> and they knew we were coming anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, suggestions aren't always followed, but um, yeah, you can, you can straight up enter. I, I don't think it's bad for a DM to just straight up interrupt the party and just be like, listen, I'm... I'm trying to help you here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I've done that too, where somebody starts a fight that they that I know they can't win and I didn't want them to win. And I don't want to deal with the fallout of them winning. Like, yeah. So basically, I don't want them to all die because they did something stupid. And I don't want to them to succeed the fight because it was never meant for them to. And the ramifications of that would be problematic for the world. I'll just straight up be like, listen, don't do this. Leave now and they won't follow you. But if you keep going this route, I am going to have to kill you because you're outmatched and I'm not going to save you. Uh, and, you know, that's that's OK. You try to avoid those situations. But once in a while, I mean, it happens. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And then so the the next two things that I sort of had on on the list are related to this. So the first thing I wanted is wanted your guys opinion on. I know my opinion on this because we've talked about character deaths in the past 
fast. And I think that it's part of the story. I think that character deaths are perfectly fine. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on killing a newbie's character? So I think that gets a little bit more complicated because your first character is always one of your first loves. It, it can be a little demoralizing. Yes. Um, I think I think you can do it, but then leave yourself open to suddenly like everyone wakes up and it was all a dream or it was a premonition or something or give them a very obvious way to solve the problem if they would like it. Yeah. I think that also needs to be a discussion that in terms of bringing the character back to life, whether or not the, the between the, the GM and, and the player themselves. Yep. But I think if they are putting themselves in a stupid situation where they've been given advice and things have been said, like, don't do this or do this to solve the problem and they're still not listening and you, they end up dead. Well, like... Yeah, there there has to be a certain point where yeah. you just say like there is you know consequences. What? You had your chance. Yes. Um so so one of the it's actually a little lower on my list, but one of the things to what you were talking about. Um depending on the situation, I will also uh sometimes give a player that's new, like if it's a single newbie in a group of people that have played for a while, I won't hesitate to give them a straight up like get out of jail free item mm -hmm. where like it might I might literally just say, here is your amulet of resurrection. If you fuck up badly enough and die, it will just get automatically true resurrect you. Yeah, um, because, you know, everybody gets one. Right. <laughs> like if mm -hmm. if they're starting with a character that they're uh, they like and they've put time into it, everything else. I don't want them to just suffer because they made a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And so I will potentially just give them uh, and I'll just tell them straight up. I'll be like, once I feel that you're comfortable with the game, somebody will steal that or it will stop working or whatever. Like I, I'm going to take it away after a while because it's too powerful. Yeah. But if you die in the first three sessions, you're going to come back to life. Just full stop. So I will do that sort of thing sometimes as well, or or like a summoning stone that they can bring an NPC in to to help with the fight, mm -hmm. or or whatever. I like that. That's a that's a nice way to deal with it to give new players at least a chance. <laughs> yeah. As you walk by this wizard's tower, you notice on the bulletin board a, a piece of parchment that looks kind of magical, and there's a bunch of tabs you can pull off, and each one <laughs> can cast wish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, if I was a super high level wizard, I would totally do that. <laughs> just to just to see the shit that it would cost. It's like one of those oh. ads like looking for a babysitter, phone number tabs. It's like wish, wish, wish. wish scroll. <laughs> I like that. that. But only for like little wishes like I wish there was more salt on this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just straight up make them cursed. I just, as soon as you pull it off, the witch scroll disappears and turns into like a blood pact with a demon or something. It's baby mimics. Ooh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, or you just get like a little, you get like a little jar of nothing but mayonnaise. <laughs> like just a little wee thing, a thimble of mayonnaise and it's always mayonnaise. This item isn't going to make it into a future campaign at all. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so, so get out of jail free card, uh, like items is something that I'm not against as a DM. Uh, and I've, I've found that most players are supportive of it too, mm -hmm. both experienced and new. They're like, 
if you've got three people at the table that have all played and one person that hasn't, like I've never had the the experience. People be like, no, don't give them that. Screw them. It, it's always like, yeah, that's a good idea because they're going to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want to just have to bail them out all the time either, right? Like they want to be able to play their game and, and the new person can play their game. And when they screw up, it's a learning experience instead of like a loss. Yeah. With that said, I also actually like to give new players pre-gen characters whenever I can to start with. And I, and I will usually give them, uh, a pre-gen character if I can and tell them like, this is to help you learn. Like, let me know what class you want to play. I'll give you a pre-gen of that. And then once you're two or three or four sessions in, we'll just melt, like we'll we'll manifest your actual character. You can just kind of change your backstory and everything and we'll just kind of gloss it over in the narrative and it's fine. That way, if it dies, they can die naturally, but they don't feel that they've lost their character. They lost your character, which we, is like whatever. We did that for Shadowrun. Yeah. When I created uh, when I created my character and you created your character, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I eventually did flesh that out. Yep. And we talked about like backstories for it, for him and everything. So, yep. yeah, that's because uh, you do you don't get attached to it then. Not you, until you, not, yeah. not right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that those all sort of come together. Now, of course, if you already started your session, your your campaign with them having their own fleshed out character. You know, there's only so much you can do, but mm-hmm. you can always give them a, a, a resurrection amulet. You can give that to, to them anytime. It identical, have to be... pl- identical twins are a thing too? <laughs> identical twins and cousins are, are things, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of that uh, the D&D logic by um, uh, Viva La Dirt League. And they did that. The one wizard character would always die. And then all of a sudden he would reappear and he'd be like, oh no, it's my long lost brother, Bogram or some shit like that. But it happened, I think. I think it happened like in every episode, but it was always so hilarious sure absolutely oh man yeah there's lots of ways around it um i i like allowing them to die even if you're immediately bringing them back because it it lets them explore uh the absolute limits of their character yes because as we know there are lots of fights where you know you're in it and the entire party is like we are boned we are dying we're done Hmm. and then luck changes and they end up pulling through by the skin of their yeah. teeth. So it, giving them the ability to really push the limits without with that safety net as mm-hmm. a new player, I, I think is beneficial. And I've, like I said, I've never had a character a player be like, no, I don't want yeah. that. That's terrible. You'll get the occasional character uh, player that's like, I don't care. Like kill my character if it works for the story. Like I, I'm that that's, way. That's, that's me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent that way. I'm like, I can create a new character. Mm-hmm. I would, even if it's my first game of a new campaign, if if I do something stupid, kill them, and and that'll be just part of the story, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it creates more narrative interest. I literally that happened to one of my characters too. I was playing a lizard folk monk. Within the first five minutes of uh, our second session, Crouton, Crouton was dead. Yep. And then I spent the rest of the session making my tortle druid. But the there was little things throughout the rest of the time that we were playing that because it was just preprint just before the pandemic we were playing that. And uh there was times where that character would come up again and mm-hmm. Brody was DMing that and he literally made me cry 
with like a character uh, it was a little npc kid that we had all thought had died and turned out he was still alive and he had like the bandana that that crouton had and so i'm like oh my god in the <laughs> middle of this session yeah yeah and and i'll actually say also that can be that can be a useful addendum i didn't mention at the time but uh one of the reasons why having an NPC with the group can be really useful is because you can have that printed off as a pre-gen character. And if your newbie's character dies, if you decide to take it that far, mm-hmm. you can just hand them that NPC sheet and be like, keep playing. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anything that lets them keep playing. The, the only thing you should never do as a DM is have somebody new to the game that like you're done. Get out of the game. Like you, you, you yeah. can't participate for that. That's a sin. Anything else yeah. is, in my opinion, fair game. Experienced players, I think it's kind of okay to be like, hey, look, you screwed the pooch. Like, yeah. go go work on your new character. Yeah. Come yeah. back next I'll week. I'll hit the showers. <laughs> and that was exactly me with that yeah. character. Like, I had done a dumb thing. Brody felt terrible. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so sore. And I'm like, I don't care. I did something dumb. And it was glorious. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Like, so. I will say, Mike, my, my first character, um, I was really attached to because it was my first character. Like, I, I yeah. spent a lot of time creating the backstory and writing it and all that fun stuff. Um, granted, uh, in the campaign he was in, we were severely limited with options yeah. and pretty much were railroaded to a certain endpoint. Um, so, yeah, watching, having him die, like, that would have sucked big time. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, I would have still used them you know, again, but, uh, after like, honestly, yeah, yeah. If it's, if it helps the narrative and the story is there for it, 100%, yeah. I will, I will let, even if I did take a shitload of time to create a character and have him or her die within like a session or two, if the story's there and it's good, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah and I, I think that comes, uh, well, for most people, I think that comes with more playing. There are there are some people that just never want their character to die. And, and to, to my eye, those people aren't playing D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it before. I am firmly of the opinion that, that character death is a part of the game mm-hmm. and that without it, the story suffers badly. Yeah. But not everybody shares that, and that's fine. Yeah. To each their own. Um, but yeah, killing off newbies' characters is definitely a uh, – can be a pretty – you don't want to turn them off the game. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's always the key. Yeah. But um, and the best way to kill veteran players is to just lock them in a dimension. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in a Trask stomach. Um, but uh, yeah, and then so the other thing I, I wrote it down here as uh, how to make a dungeon crawl fun, but I actually have no advice on that because dungeon crawls aren't fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they. So I played in dungeon crawls and. They, I think it depends on the group. If you are in a, if you are a person that likes playing D and D and enjoys the role play along with it, you can role play things very well in there. Because like my sister is a through and through role player, yeah. and we had a good group going when we were doing a dungeon crawl campaign, and it it was like the the fighting stuff was was fun, whatever, but. The RP that came out of that group, too, was also very excellent. Yeah. And so that, I think, it's just your approach to it. It's very much your approach to it. And and obviously, Dungeon Girls can be fun if you've got the right group for it. Um, but actually, what I what I meant to write down here was because I, I meant to tie it into sort of the, the newbie aspect. Mm. And 
where I was sort of originally thinking with this was, should you have newbies do any sort of sustained combat? And and I tend to lean towards no. I tend yeah. to I tend to try. It doesn't necessarily work if you're in a group of veterans. If you've got like three or four people at the table that know what they're doing mm-hmm. and a newbie, they can get bored while the newbie is still figuring it out. So there's that. Um, but uh, if you've got a group of newbies, then I like to just throw small encounters. Uh, make it so that there's almost no way they can possibly fail and build it up slowly from there. So uh, so I would tend to, like, unless I've got veterans at the table, mm-hmm. I am not throwing a dungeon crawl at them. Partly because they're not going to have fun unless they know what they're doing. If they're spending the entire time looking at their spell list or something, nobody's having fun. Yeah. If there's room at the table for role play because they all know what they're doing, great. You can have fun in a dungeon yes. crawl. Um, so that's just sort of a general thing. If, if you've got newer players, they're not going to have fun in a dungeon crawl. They're going to have fun in small one-off encounters that they can pretty easily clear and move on. And that gives them the chance to explore what their characters are capable of. Yeah. So when, if you do throw one of those longer term fights at them, then it's not as terrifying or hopefully as boring. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the not as boring. I mean... If you're doing it right, hopefully long encounters should be terrifying. <laughs> they yes. should be sitting there being like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yes. That type of terrifying. <laughs> not so much of, well, it's in, a different type in, of, oh, my God, I'm intimidating. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, intimidating. Yeah. That's the one I was looking for. Yeah. Um, cool. What's your thoughts, Chad? You've been quiet. <laughs> for been two qu- seconds. <laughs> been quiet for two seconds. Yes. <laughs> what are your feelings on I, dungeon I don't, crawls? I don't think we've ever had you do a dungeon no. crawl. Uh, I think the closest I came to that was the was sewers. Probably, pl- no, I don't even consider that a dungeon girl. Mm-hmm. Probably with Brody when we uh we played that game with Brody for um oh for uh, um yeah the one the Christmas one yeah yeah we did a or it was was it Christmas I thought it was her birthday or something yeah it was a but it was in December anyway, so it was a Christmas one yeah time. one of uh one of the ladies that Sarah used to game with um uh she's in a wheelchair. So for as a surprise and a gift to her, I believe that's what it was. Yep. This uh, was you guys were describing that uh, it it was harder to get together. So you all yes, got, you all exactly. made a special effort. Yeah, to get we together. we all yeah. got together and Brody did a a big one shot um, for like we got a, a large group together and it was fun and that would be like the closest thing I would say to a dungeon crawl because Brody's yeah. Brody can run a, a pretty decent dungeon crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one was fun. It was yeah. really fun. We had a nice, there was one fellow there who was, uh, that one guy who was, who got off, his character got off like sexually. Oh yeah, with pain. When he, with pain. Oh my God, it was great. It was, it was so, so good. Holy. So Love he's that, he's that and then I'm that. playing my like, uh, my Bronx Fairy. My Bronx Fairy, I'm an essay and yep. I kept talking like this the entire time. And like, yep. And just, just oh man yeah that was a really fun game yeah. so yeah yeah that's probably the closest yeah dungeon crawl i've been to yeah yeah i've uh <clears throat> i've only done i've only dm'd uh, a handful of dungeon crawls because uh i i find them i find most of the time 
by about the third encounter, most of the players at the table would rather be doing something else. Um, yeah. So I tend to avoid them, but uh, I've run a few successfully. It depends on the group. Some people love combat. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean. I think I think there probably just needs to, like, even people that need like combat need the balance between combat and doing something else, like even just solving a puzzle or. Nope. Nope. Or, just wave after wave of goblins. Uh, Every wave has smaller and smaller loincloths. Ooh. <laughs> I think I would just kill myself at that point. Cool. <laughs> wow, that's a strong reaction. <laughs> I know what you're facing in the future. <laughs> a wish thing. A, a, a wizard's wish pull no. off wish. That's what you're facing. There you go. <laughs> it's just going to summon goblins. A bulletin board. Oh, God. Summons when goblins. hit with any kind of force, something will fall off of it. And when it lands, it casts a random spell. Oh, that's oh Jesus! Fun. That's very wild. That's like too. a gazebo that actually like fights back. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I don't know how you would possibly introduce it to the game, but I like that. Just a random yeah. gazebo someplace. Just a random With board a posting. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. in the middle of a road someplace. Somehow convince the party to f- cast a fireball on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Someone. Well, you know, you can trip. You stub your toe on it. That hurts the the board too. <laughs> Every you step time, on a nail wrong. Every time the party walks by the bulletin board, can I get everybody to make me dex checks? <laughs> oh, you guys should go back to the other side of town. Can I get everybody to make me dex checks? You really <laughs> should go back to what can I get everybody? <laughs> Ooh, yes, they not, failed. Ooh, you failed. Well, you nudged the bulletin board. <laughs> and a random flyer happened to dislodge from it. As it makes its way to the ground, it lands with an earth-shattering explosion. Everybody make a deck save. <laughs> I think that's what we uh I think that's what we refer to as try hard DMing. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, no, there's cool. uh there's lots of there's lots of ways you can improve a dungeon crawl, but my my stance for newbies especially is steer clear if you can. Yep. Yeah. Short combats that are that especially narratively, if you can sort of give yourself an out uh that doesn't like if they're having them alone in the woods against some people is tricky because there's no good narrative way that you can pull them out of that situation. Mm-hmm. You have to intervene with direct guidance. But uh, if you can have it happening in a town or something like that, you can always have somebody uh, on the sidelines help out in some way or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's a paladin, have have a member of their order on the sidelines being like being looking disapproving because they're yeah. not casting heel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shame, yes. shame, Yeah, just shame, shame. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, rings a bell periodically. <laughs> shame, shame. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that would be some things that I would sort of, uh, I would try to keep it so that you can always intervene with, within the narrative. Uh, honestly, don't hesitate to jump in with advice mm-hmm. directly. Uh, I've, I've very rarely had players like, say that that wasn't welcome it's that actually more often than not players are like thank you yeah <laughs> we needed that yeah uh so like i i don't think you need to be too worried about just jumping in but wherever you can i like to wrap it in narration yep. yeah. so yeah. that's pretty easy right on well um well you yeah you, actually you yeah, want to bring up starter. yes i backed a new kickstarter today it still has 26 days left and it's called dnt and it's a tea-based Kickstarter. Well, it, it's a tea Kickstarter. It's uh, tea with um, 
what is what is the actual title here? Let me just scroll all the way back. An up. infusion of dragon Enjoy. piss. Wait, no, no that's wrong. a great, a great infusion, infusion of, of RPGs, RPGs and tea. And yeah, so they have a bunch of different flavors um, that are like uh, inspired by D D or RPG type names like Aborian Thicket, Mountain Squall, and um, Mary Berry Chai. No, no. Volcanic <laughs> Inferno, Pumpkin Harvest, mm. Cozy Cottage. Um, their first two stretch goals, which are personal infusions that the creators um, have come up with, they've been unlocked. And um, their oh, stretch goal three, which is thematic Tetons, has been unlocked. And their fourth stretch goal, which they're pretty close to at this point, um, is for sampler sets because uh, they've been around. This is their actually their second Kickstarter, and uh, they have, have been going to conventions as well. And people are always asking them for like little sampler packs where they can try all their different flavors. And then, what? What are you shaking your head about? No. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, they can try all their different flavors, and so if they reach their uh, fourth. Uh, stretch goal, then they're going to have that with this new Kickstarter. So, yeah. If you, you like know, tea, go back it so we can get sampler packs. You know what this is missing? This is a missed opportunity. So, um, so obviously, Biscuits. anytime we talk about any company, we know that the, the people at the company are watching. Yes, of course. Always. Doesn't yes. matter what company, it's, no. they're always watching. So, we start talking, it summons them. That's right. So, so D&T, this is, this is to you who are obviously watching. Um, you need to create, um, potions that each of these teas represent so that as a DM, I can serve these during the game and people can choose which potion that they would like to imbibe, whether it's a minor healing potion or, you know, whatever, pick, pick a handful of fairly weak potions so yeah. that they're not game breaking and have it so that as the DM, I can serve these teas with their associated potion drafts. I like that. Yeah, they get on it. <laughs> Shit, are we D and T shills now too? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think yes. we are. Yeah. Yes, okay, we are. Cool. You know what? I'm I'm okay with shilling for this. <laughs> yeah, this actually great. looks pretty cool. Yeah. I might back this as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, having a, a potion to go with each one would yeah. would really kick this up a notch for me at least. That'd be gnarly. So, Almost yeah. like a, a gourd or something like a. Yeah, well, I was yeah. thinking about the. Um, the, the pins that we saw at um, oh, Origins that actually came with like the item card that yeah. they were attached to mm -hmm. so that you could give it to a player who had done something fun uh, and they would actually get that item to use. And, it, and it, they weren't overpowered. They were kind of cool. Uh, we even mentioned them in a much earlier podcast, mm -hmm. maybe even the first one. I think one. it was the first one. You don't watch that episode. Yeah, not <laughs> the, great. The audio is pretty bad. Um, but uh, that that's the sort of thing I'm thinking where it's just... You can hand yeah. out potions in your D and D game. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, that'd yeah, be awesome. Fun. Yeah, so, cool. Uh, one little thing I just want to touch on quickly before we wrap her up here, uh, and it was just announced as well. If you're a fan of the Marvel's Avengers game, uh, don't buy anything cosmetic. Uh, they announced today that effective March thirty first, twenty twenty three. Uh, it will be the final update that the game will ever receive, uh, which includes updates, bug fixes. Also, at the same time, every cosmetic that's currently available on that marketplace will be given to you for free. Yep. Uh, if you previously bought it, you're not getting a refund. And they also announced that the 
live service of the game will end on September 30th of this year, 2023. Yep. So um, I'm not surprised the game was poorly received in the first place. Um, when was it originally released? Like uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, it's not that old. Uh, it was. It's two or three years old. Yeah. At yeah. the moment. But unsurprising. It's. Uh, it was a very poor attempt. Um, but yeah, uh, it's on Game Pass. So save your money completely and just play it. Uh, play it on that if you really want to. I'm not going to. I have no desire to. So. Yeah, uh, we didn't Save mention uh, this. This was announced uh, between the last episode and this episode, right? The the Stadia controller updates. Yeah, yeah. So um, if anyone has a Stadia controller still kicking around, we do. Um, they're yeah, I've got one too. They're and they're they're good controllers. Uh, you might even be able to eBay one or something. I don't know. Probably. Um, but uh, they released the update that a lot of people were anticipating that that enables Bluetooth control. Uh, so you will now be able to hook those controllers up to uh, whatever your computer, probably other game systems to an extent as well. I want to find out if you can use it on your phone. That'd be kind of cool. Phone should work. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's Bluetooth. So mm-hmm. any modern phone should be able to connect to it. Um yeah, so uh, if you've got one, they they did release the update. A lot of people were saying like, yeah, hopefully they will. Uh, they they came up with it a f- uh, few days ago, something yep. like that. Uh, so I think you have to connect it to your computer to do the update, but you can now install the Bluetooth update to the controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that way you can still use it because obviously the service is now completely dead. Yeah. Yeah. But damn, that's a nice controller. I, a, I, I really yeah. like that controller. They are so. really good controllers. Yeah. If you've got one, uh, you already know that they're nice. But now you, if you didn't already know, now you know you can still use it. Yeah. Which is great. Yep. Yeah. And on that note. I think we'll end it. Yes. Thank you for watching. Hey, hit that like button if you do. And leave a comment down there. Tell us uh, if you got any tips for first time players, noobs, whatever. Uh, your comments, good, bad, whatever. We don't care. You're all entitled to your own opinion. Yeah, you can call us wizard yeah. shows. We actually yeah, don't mind at all. I, no. They're they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you uh, if you have if you have access on Discord, hey, we got a Discord server. We talk about some stuff there. We've got a great little community, and uh, yeah, tell three friends. Yeah. Also, did you know we have a website? We post reviews and stuff on it. Yeah. Go read our stuff. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, yeah. And and some of them are great. And yeah. some of them are a little half-assed, if we're honest. Yeah. But uh, check it out. It's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, we're going to be doing more of everything. So if you hate us, stick around. And if you like us, stick around. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Have a nice week. Bye.